This is great. Once again, I always like to see the confusion. I, I stand up here every single week, and I can look out, and I could draw a, a chart, right? I could draw a chart of where every person from Creekside Church sits, right? So I love you guys right now, all right? I love y'all, because as everybody else came in the building this morning, just confusion, like, my seat is gone. What happened? Right? I love that, because that's how it should be every single week. But, so, thank you guys for being here. Um, if y'all don't know, every Sunday afternoon uh, at 2 o'clock, Corinne Baptist Church meets here. They've been meeting here for a lot longer than we've been Creekside. Um, they were here when uh, Olivet Baptist Church was in here. And so this morning, we have great news, but it's kind of bittersweet because we love these guys. And if you've never been to um, one of their services, it is exciting. I mean, it's happening place in here. You come in, and this is only a small representation of what their church is. They pack this place out. And so even from three years ago when we moved in and, and, uh, and just experienced and came to one of your services and realized how many people there were, they have grown immensely, even in the last three years. And it's been really exciting just to walk in and see what you walk in this place and it is just a happening place. There's people everywhere and they're excited about Jesus. And the good news is, and they'll tell you a little bit more about this though, that uh, they just got their own building. And so that's a great thing. We can be happy for that. That's awesome. So... Congratulations to you guys, um, and now you get to have all your own set of problems uh, because you have your own building. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm not. Vance is like, no, you're not. You ain't kidding. Um, uh, but we are so happy that you guys are here. Ian's going to come up um, and just start this thing off, right? Is that, that right? Okay. And Ian, while you come up here, I want to, um, I would like all, all of Creekside Church just go ahead and stand up because we have... Uh, we have a gift for you guys. This is just a gift for us to say thank you to you guys for being such awesome people. But we also want this to be a blessing to you guys, to you as a church, um, as you move on. We're so excited about what God is going to do through you in the Des Moines area. And so I want to give this to you on behalf of Creekside Church. And before you start, um, I would just like us to pray a prayer of blessing for you guys. Um, so let's pray. God, I just um, thank you for the Korean Baptist Church. It has been so exciting to see uh, what you have done already through them, even in just the last three years since we've known them. Um, God, you are doing amazing things through them. People are, are coming to Jesus. Um, people are being set free. And we just pray um, in the spirit of God uh, a blessing upon them as they go. We pray that you would continue to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine um, that you will continue to save people through their ministry, that you would use them to bring people into the kingdom of God. We're so thankful for them. And so um, we as Creekside Church just want to pray a blessing over them, Father. Keep them and hold them. Um, give them your peace. Um, give them your power uh, to bring the name of Jesus to the lost, this lost and dying world. We love you, God, and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat and just give your attention up here. And uh, Creekside, uh, for your generous gift. Um, sometime uh, in the latter part of 2003, uh, the first group of Koreans arrived here in Des Moines. Uh, now, majority of them 
uh, attended their first service here. And um, over the years, um, you know, people come and go. But after 13 years uh, later, this church is still, um, for the majority of the uh, Korean, this church is still their home church. Now, <clears throat> at this church, we use this building uh, in addition to regular service, uh, we use this for uh, special service such as baptism, uh, conferences, funerals, weddings. Okay. So on behalf of the Korean congregation, I would like to thank the congregation, the administrators, the outreach volunteers, pastors, church leaders from Olivet, Cornerstone, and Creekside for welcoming us and allowing us to use this um, church in all these years. So thank you very much. Um, so with that being said, now I have a few things that we want to cover during this, uh, the, this, service, this part of the service. So uh, Lui Mu, this young lady, going to come up here and uh, do a song for us. I would now like to empty. Empty, uh, could you come up? Empty has a few words that she wants to say on behalf of the uh, congregation. On behalf of my current congregations, I would like to start by thanking um, Pastor here and your congregation for welcoming our current community into your place of worship. It really means a lot to us. I don't know if you know much about the refugee community, but we were not welcomed by the Burmese government. We were living in the refugee camp and we were living in the refugee camps in Thailand and God was preparing this place for us in America. He also prepared good friends here for us. He also prepared good friends in this um, um, Christian community here. You welcomed us and led our worship in this church, and you didn't expect us to pay you anything. I also would like to thank Ian and Lulu for connecting us with you all. And thank you to Pastor Steve. Um, who was at that time the Olivet Church, uh, the Olivet Church pastor? He worked hard to coordinate a place for us to worship here in this church. He also filled in and helped us before we had a pastor of our own. We are so happy to see you and your family for joining us today. When your congregations welcomed us into your church, we were extremely grateful because we were able to come together and worship in our own native language. And you tolerated all the messes that we made. <laughs> um, because we, 
we, stay, we are still learning American culture and rules. We are so sorry about the kids riding on the wall, playing outside without supervision, <laughs> just to name a couple of things. Everyone at our current church has contributed and worked hard, and we want to thank God for giving us our own church now. Last of all, we can't thank you enough for this opportunity. We'll continue to stay in touch and keep you, in, keep you all in our prayers. You are all welcome to come visit us and worship with us, even if you can't understand the words. We are still brother and sister in Christ. Thank you. to uh, conclude this part of the service, I will now like to have Pastor Joanne. Pastor Joanne, could you please come up, please? Pastor Joanne is the uh, regular, the main uh, pastor of the Korean congregation, and he had a few words that he wanted to say. Yeah, just a little bit, he said. <laughs> this is not an announcement, it's more like the, the invitation. Okay. Next week, uh, the 25th, at the, uh, the new church, they want to invite everyone, if you're available, to attend their open house service. That you will come and pray with us and praise God with us. So on behalf of the Korean congregation, we also have a, a gift for the creek side. Okay. We ask that you will continue to pray for our new church and our, uh, you know, on, going forward with, this, with our service. Okay. Uh, for that, uh, we want to thank uh, all the, you know, everybody here at the congregation. So, Pastor Nick, could you please come up? Pastor Nick, this is from Pastor Joanne, our current wow. congregation. So. Thank you very much. Thank you. I just want to pray over you guys. I want to pray over you guys one more time. God, thank you so much. Um, Again, for the Korean Baptist Church, um, we, uh, we love them dearly, and we're so thankful, most importantly, that they love you and that they are for the, the mission of God in this world. Um, we, again, pray a blessing over them. God, I pray that you would um, just watch them and keep them and uh, give them your peace, and um, Lord, may, may your kingdom uh, just be grown in this area because of their ministry. Um, again, we love you and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. That was awesome. Love that. Um, so the first thing I have is for a small fee, whoever's these are, you can have them back. All right, it says, uh, 
uh, risk takers, um, Meredith Middle School. So if this is yours, come find me after. This is yours right here. You, you got to pay though. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There you go. Awesome. All right, today we're going to talk about prayer. Um, we started our Running the Race series last week. Bob talked about the fact that he's a runner. His whole family's runners. You can just look at them and you can tell that they're runners. May, well, no, I should say everybody except Bob. You can look at and tell that they're runners. Uh, just because most of his family's taller than him. Um, but that's okay. I'm, just, I'm kidding, Bob. I love you. Oh, man. Me, on the other hand, I do everything possible. Like, it's my mission in life to never have to run anywhere. Like, I hate running. Um, and so, today is going to have nothing to do with running, but I love the way that uh, Bob talked about running the race last week, because this, this life is really a race that we need to seek to run well, and we need to seek to have endurance and perseverance, and that when the race gets hard, we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and we continue on in the faith, and we continue to run, and we continue to run, and you, we continue to run. One of the things we talk about here is occupying our street, and we've defined everybody's street as where you live, your neighborhood. It's where you go, every, anywhere you go, and the people you run into on a regular basis, your job, restaurants, barbershop, wherever you go on a regular basis, that's your street. And how are we occupying it? How are we filling it with the love of Jesus? So when we talk about prayer, my challenge for occupying our street today is that prayer becomes the very power behind occupying our street. So often we like we get up in the morning and words like evangelism scare the bejeebies out of us, right? It's like evangelism. I'm just not an evangelist, right? I just don't have what it takes. It's out of my comfort zone. I don't like talking to people. I don't like telling people about it. Just, it's just not my comfort zone, right? But God in the Bible says do the work of evangelist. He gives that mission to every single believer that every, ever walked the face of the earth. Do the work of evangelist. We're actually going to talk all about evangelism in our race next week. Um, but the way we like to talk about it is lifestyle evangelism. You don't have to w wake up in the morning and like get all nervous and anxious about going and being an evangelist. Your life can be an evangelist. But here's the deal. Don't get anxious. Pray. Don't get anxious. Pray. And so we wake up and we say, God, our desire is to occupy my street today. And as I walk into the barber shop, I, we've said this before, but we have to name our street. Oftentimes I walk into a place, a barber shop or a restaurant that I go to on a regular basis, and I have to name that as my street. I'll walk into the barber shop and I'll say, this is my street. And then in that moment, I'll pray, God. Help me to connect with the person cutting my hair. I have no idea who it's going to be because I don't have a specific person that cuts my hair. Um, but I can walk in and say, God, help me to specifically be able to listen and connect with the person that's cutting my hair. Give me power in your Holy Spirit to be able to do that. Help me not to, to back down because I'm afraid. Help me not to back down because I'm nervous. Help me to be bold. All of these things. Prayer becomes the very power behind occupying our street. So, the title for today's message is, Who's the Boss? Everybody turn to the person next to you and say, You ain't the boss. Now turn to the person on your other side, right? I mean, every, every married couple in the room just love that. I saw too many people laughing at that, like, You ain't the boss, right? Especially the women. 
All right, here, here's the deal. Now turn to the person on your other side that you chose second for some reason and say, Jesus is the boss. All right? You ain't the boss. Jesus is the boss. So if you're writing anything down, I want you to write this down. Okay, I want you to write this down. If you're writing anything down, take out your phone, text it to yourself, put it in the notes, text it to your spouse. Get this in your heads. Lock it in the vault. Here it is. Prayer aligns our hearts with God's, not God's heart with ours. Prayer aligns our hearts with God's, not God's heart with ours. James 5.16, in the second half of James 5.16, it's on the screen, says this, the prayer of a righteous person has power as it is working. Or in the NIV it says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I remember um, a, a few years back, Heather and I led a missions trip to northeast Arizona, Emmanuel Mission, um, in, the, in really the desert of Arizona. And if you go here, it's, raise your hand if you've been on a missions trip. You, okay, all right. If you go to this place, it seriously is like being in a different country. I mean, for me, that's what it felt like. It felt like I was in a different country. And it is a cross-cultural experience to be sure, okay? But we're in this place, and we're staying in a school, and one of the couples that was staying with us, they had a, a baby girl at the time, and they were staying in, in one of the classrooms. And one day, I probably get some of the details wrong in this story, but I'll get the important ones right. One, one day, they came to us, and they said, man, we just could not sleep last night because our room was infested with spiders. Like, there was hundreds of spiders in this room. You remember this? Were you there for this? Okay, so there was hundreds of spiders in this room, right? And so, and, and, and the dad that was in there was like, I am pretty sure that these were black widow spiders. I am pretty sure I saw a black widow spider. And so we tell um, Ruth Bloom about it. We're like, pretty sure we saw black widow spiders in this classroom. She says, no, we don't get black widow spiders around here, right? And so what we did was Heather took a group of people and they went to pray over this room. Now, every single one of us is like, I like to say I'm not afraid of spiders, but Black Widow, I'm not going to mess with Black Widow, right? So we're all terrified of going near that room. Heather takes a group of people and goes and she prays over that room while me and the rest of the group were outside and we just prayed because we were not going to go try to solve this problem on our own. Like, uh, we're going to go try to take care of these spiders. So we just prayed. We just prayed. We just prayed. The next day, okay, the next day, there was not, there was not enough cans of Raid on campus to take care of this problem, so we just prayed about it. The next day, we walk into that room, and there is not even a single dead spider. There's nothing. The spiders were gone, eradicated. You would think, like, God would just, boom, all the spiders dead. But there weren't even any dead spiders in that room. They were gone. And so we went to, to Ruth Bloom, and I love this. She lives, she lives there, and her and her husband run this place. But we said, hey, we prayed, we prayed over this, and they're gone. They're gone. We're, like, absolutely amazed. And she's like, yeah. You prayed about it, duh. Like it's it kind of like that. We're like, oh, you're more holy than us because we did not, we didn't. We were like, I'm like fully expecting to walk in. This is where my doubt comes, and I'm expecting to walk in that room and be like, ah, oh, God, come on. We're praying for these, but she's like, no, you prayed about it, and they're gone. But here's why: I think that those spiders were gone because we believed that God could answer our prayer because we went to Him first. We didn't even try to solve the problem ourselves. 
It wasn't even a question for us. We're not going to try to solve this problem. Our only and complete dependence was on God. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later, like what happens when God doesn't answer your prayer. Because he doesn't always answer your prayers the way that you want him to, but we're going to talk about that. I am a fixer. Any other fixers in the room? Don't, don't be afraid. Any other fixers in the room? Um, yeah, okay, this gets men in trouble with their wives, right? It's like, just shut up and listen to me. Stop trying to solve my problem. Just listen to me. All I want you to do is listen to me. I'm like, but I want you to be okay. I want to help. I want to help. I want to. She's just like, be quiet, right? Don't talk. Listen to me. I'm a fig- Anybody ever take the strengths finder test? This is kind of a test that tells you the top five strengths. If you've taken that, it's, it's something that the business world uses and that I've, I've taken it a, se- a few times uh, to find out what I should be spending my time on. But my number two, this is top five out of like 30-something strengths that you could possibly be strong at, but my number two is activator, right? So there's positive and negative to every, uh, to every strength on this list. A positive to being an activator is when you see something wrong, you just go fix it. Right? When you see stuff, Heather's like, yeah, right, you don't fix nothing around our house. I'm not talking about physical stuff, right? Okay? I'm not going to get myself in that hole. I'm talking about, like, with people. When I see something wrong, I just want to fix it. Right? So that's a positive. The negative side to being an activator is when I see something wrong, I just go fix it. Right? And sometimes I just go fix it without trying to consider the ramifications of who I'm going to run over on the way to fixing this problem, right? But being a fixer, being an activator, it makes it so hard to trust that God has a better answer than I do, right? Every time I run into a problem, right, every time I'm stressing about something, Heather asked me this question. She says, have you prayed about it yet? Right? Because Heather sees things pretty black and white, but she is a prayer. She is a prayer warrior. And she tends to be able to to, um, compartmentalize things and not worry about them until she's given them to God. Right? And then once she gives them to God, she doesn't have to worry about them. So she asked me this question. I tend to freak out about things. I tend to overanalyze things. I tend to just want to solve the problem right now. And I can't move on with anything else in my life until that problem is solved. Okay? And so she asks me, have you prayed about it? And I'm like, no. Yes, I will pray about it. I will go right now and I will pray about it. I will stop talking about it until I have prayed about it. And so... Every time I go pray about it and I give that burden to God, he gives me peace. He allows me to move on in that situation without being in control. Because here's the normal human condition. We love to be in control of our own lives. Like who doesn't, who loves, anybody love being out of control in this room? I mean maybe there's a few. But nobody likes, really, really likes being out of control of their life. And so when something comes up, our first reaction is go fix it. Go solve this problem. I love to be in control of my own life. But the idea is, this is easier for others and harder for some. The idea is, we need to, when thinking about prayer, we need to think this way. I need to release control. Release control. Even release The need 
to be in control. So when we look at that verse, the prayer of a righteous person has power as it is working. What in the world does that mean? Well, we need to start at the beginning. We're talking about prayer, so it's the prayer of who? The righteous person, right? But here's the deal. We are not, and we know this, we are not going to always act perfectly righteous, right? So what makes us righteous? What makes a person righteous? Is it your acts of righteousness that earns you righteousness with God? No. It is Jesus that makes you righteous. It's got nothing to do with what we do. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done. And yet, in 1 Peter it says this. Okay, this is a paraphrase, but in 1 Peter it talks about husbands honoring and respecting their wives. It alludes to the fact that wrongful and sinful actions in that area can hinder our prayers being answered. But here's the deal. In consistency with the rest of Scripture, I believe that's how it is all around, right? In our lives, the definition of insanity, you may have heard this before, but the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result each time, right? That's insane. Because if you do the same thing over and over and over again and respect a different, how are we, if I do the same thing, I'm going to get this result. If I want a different result but I do the same thing, I'm going to get the same result. I'm not going to get a different result, right? But here's how most people work. Here's how I work, okay? One of the things that, that, that is really hard, really hard, having kids. You know, I talked about this last week, that, that, that we have this line, right? When we talked about gentleness. There's this line. That's the snap line, right? I'm gentle, 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 snap, right? And then, boom, everything goes to pot in my house, right? And so I've been praying about God giving me more gentleness with my kids. But we've said this before, when we pray for something like gentleness, when we pray for something like, God, help me not to be so angry, right? God just doesn't, boof, give you that. He's going to put you in situations where you get to be less angry, right? He's going to say, okay, I want to train you how to be less angry. Here's a situation. Now you have a chance to be less angry. The problem, the problem is that too many of us we come to God and we're stuck in these habitual sins, things that we go back to over and over and over again. And we say, God, help me not to do this anymore. And then we go and we do the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And we never become willing to be the answer to our own prayers. I was reading a book um, one time I read part of the book. It was a good book. I just didn't finish it. I finished like two books in my entire life. Um, and uh, one of them was the Bible. Um, and the other one was a book about discovering the mind of a woman. And uh, I'm still figuring that one out. So um, <laughs> anyway, I read part of a book one time. It was by Shane Claiborne called Become the Answer to your prayers. Now, it's not like God needs help to answer our prayers because he's powerful enough for that, but it's proclaiming when we pray for something like God help me to be less angry, it's saying, God, I'm willing to be the one that you use to help me become less angry. I'm willing to take the steps I need to 
in my life to walk away from that sin, right? That's what it means to be righteous. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about perfectly living out a righteous life. I'm talking about living out an honest life, right? That's why right before this verse in James 5.16 that we just read, right? The prayer of a righteous person has power as it is working. It talks about living an honest life, telling the truth about yourself to your friends, to God, and pray the truth about yourself. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be prayed for and healed, right? It's living a righteous life is, does not mean that you are perfect. It means that you are honest with your sin, and then you're able to move forward past that sin. You're able to be the answer to your own prayers. And then that verse goes on and it says, has power as it is working. So for the rest of the time, which won't be too long, um, I want to give you three ways to think about praying, right? I want to give you three ways to think about praying. So if you're writing anything down, write these down, okay? Number one is that our prayers become God-centered. God-centered, not me-centered, okay? God-centered. Number two, be specific, Be specific, not too general in your prayers. And number three, be bold. Believe that God is powerful. So one, God-centered. Two, be specific. And number three, be bold. So let's look at God-centered. 1 John 5.14 says this. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. That's God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. But here's how... Too many of us read that verse. And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if, any, that if we ask anything, he hears us. That ain't what it says, right? It doesn't say if we ask anything, he hears us. That's why it's we have to be God-centered, not me-centered. It says if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What is his will? Here it is to sum it up. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do, what ever you do. You wake up in the morning, you get ready for the day, you go to work, you come home, you do your thing. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, we spend so much time being anxious. And when we're anxious, it drives us to so desire God's specific will for every single specific situation in our lives. Granted, God does have specific plans for specific situations in our lives. And it's okay to seek those things, right? It's actually good to seek those things. But we spend so much time focusing on what God's specific situation is for a specific situation in our lives and not thinking about what is most important. And most important is to know that in whatever you are doing, whatever you are doing right now, whatever you are doing when you leave this building, whatever you do tomorrow, whatever you do this afternoon, whatever you're doing whenever you're doing it, you do it in the name of Jesus. That is always... God's will for you. In every single moment of life, that is always God's will for you to do whatever you are doing in the name of 
Jesus. So when it comes to prayer, we spend so much time saying, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Do this for me, God. Do this for me, God. Do this for me, God. But remember the title, Who's the Boss? First thing to remember is you ain't the boss. I am not the boss. The question becomes, am I trying to align God's heart with mine Or do I really deeply desire my heart to be aligned with what God is doing in this world? So our prayers need to be focused on what God is going to do in this world and use me to be an effective part of it. So I can either pray like, God, I'm coming, something's funny down here, it's awesome. It's like, I feel like a teacher, do you want to share with the whole class? No, I'm just kidding, I I won't say that. (laughs) <laughs> I love you, Caleb. It's Alex's fault, actually, and he's the adult in this situation. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so we want to be God-centered with our prayers, and when we pray, when we pray, it tests the motives of our heart, because we can either pray, God, do this for me, come down and be a part of what I'm doing today, or I can say, God, today, make me a part of what you are doing. What is my heart's desire And what is going to be more effective for the kingdom of God? When we're God-centered, it so pleases him to answer those prayers because it advances his kingdom. And we've talked about this, that that's the most abundant life that we could ever live, is being a part of God's plan in his kingdom. And so number one is be God-centered. Number two is be specific. We don't want to be too general because here's the deal. We often pray in generalities like, help me with this, right? Help me with this today, right? Well, God already promised through the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit would be our helper, right? That he would be another counselor for us. So it's already promised that God is going to help you. So we don't have to to pray that, general. Help me with that. God's going to help you with these things in your life. We say, God, be with me. Well, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you till the end of the age. Jesus said that to his disciples. He's going to be with you, Right? But so often we pray in these generalities because here's the the reality of the situation is we want to give God a way out. Because if we're general enough, right, then we're not going to get upset when God doesn't answer our prayers the way that he wants us, that we want him to answer us. Because we're afraid if we're too specific and then God gives us a different answer than we asked for, we're going to be upset with God, right? And so we give God a, a way out, We pray these general, overarching prayers with no specific information in them because we don't want to get upset when God doesn't answer the prayers, right? So because we're too general, we never really know when God answered our prayer. We never really know when he gave us the answer that we wanted or not. One thing I started doing in my journaling because I wanted to develop this in my life was, I don't know if you can see this, but... um, I have prayer requests written, and then I have little boxes right here. And some of these boxes are filled in, some are not. But what those boxes are for is so that when God does, all of these prayer requests have very specific things in them that I'm praying about, whether it's for people, whether it's for situations in my life, whether it's for things that I want to see God do through this church. They're very specific prayers, and then I put a box there, right? And every day I go look at those prayers that I prayed, 
And when God answers that prayer, I write the answer in that box. Because I prayed a specific prayer, so I get a specific answer. But here's the deal. I look at these, and I was just looking at these yesterday. The answers that I've written in these box, boxes are not the answers that I necessarily wanted when I wrote the prayer. Some of them are, but some of them aren't. But I prayed a specific prayer. I got a specific answer. Here's the deal. God wants for your good, right? God wants for your good. He wants this for us. All right, this is my favorite, favorite theological word. Again, if you want to hear, sound smart, you can say you learned this word at church today. But it's that God wants for our sanctification. It's just a theological way of saying God wants for you to be living in the process of becoming more like Jesus. That's what sanctification is. God wants us to become more like his son, Jesus, right? So, because that is his desire, even if the answer in these boxes don't match up with the prayer that I wrote, I can trust that whatever answer God gives me, because his desire is that I become more like Jesus, whatever answer he does give me, is in order to shape me and align me with his heart so that I am more like Jesus. So that it again comes down to testing the desires of my heart. Do I want to be more like Jesus or do I just want God to do what I want him to do, right? How do we live that powerful life? It continues on in James 5, past verse 16 and verse 17. It says this, it's a little short little clip in here about a man named Elijah. It says this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Here's the deal. In that story, it is referring to Elijah praying for the nation that he lived in, and that nation was an agricultural nation, agricultural economy, but that nation was far from God. And so first he prayed a prayer that this prayer was God-centered. His desire in this prayer, all he prayed was that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. And then three and a half years later, he prayed that it would rain. But in that culture, in that economy, what would happen if there was no rain for three and a half years? The economy falls apart. Elijah's ultimate desire was that that nation would come running back to God because they had no other option. Right? So his prayer was God-centered. This is my ultimate desire is that this nation comes running back to you, God. But here's the specific prayer. Don't let it rain for three and a half years. Right? And so it didn't. It didn't rain for three and a half years. Right? And then after three and a half years, the whole economy had fallen apart. People started crying out to God. He got back on his knees and he said, God, bring the rain. Bring the rain. Bring the rain, and over the horizon, little by little, the cloud built, and God brought rain. He was God-centered, and he was specific. He, because of his specificity, he showed his deep trust in God's power to answer him. So be God-centered, be specific, and then number three, be bold. We need to believe that God is powerful. See, prayer... Every time we pray, it takes the temperature of our trust in God's ability to actually answer those prayers in a powerful way, right? It's, here's the deal. Prayer is not just a checklist thing, right? Coming to church is not just a checklist thing. It's healthy. 
praying is not just a, I prayed for the day. I did my prayers at the beginning of the day. I did my prayers at the end of the day. You know, that kind of thing, right? It's not just a checklist thing. It is healthy to be in constant communication with God. So if it's not just a checklist thing, then why in the world do it if we don't actually believe that God can answer those prayers? Do we just do it because we think that's what we're supposed to do? Or do we actually pray because we believe in the power of Almighty God? First of all, that He loves us beyond anything that we can imagine. And if He loves us beyond anything that we can imagine, then He delights in answering our prayers. But even more than that, God is for God. God is for His own glory, and He wants to shape us to be like His Son, Jesus. So he wants to give us answers that are for his kingdom that will turn us from what we are into being more like his son Jesus. So we tend to make things us-centered, not God-centered. We're too general. We don't want to disappoint God when he, we don't want God, we don't want to be disappointed in God if he gives us a different answer than we expect and we are way too small in our prayers because we really don't believe that God is powerful enough to do what we ask him to do. In Joshua 10, there's a story about um, a group of kings who feared Joshua and, he, 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 and they feared Joshua's armies. And so they come together, right? This group of kings come together against Joshua and, uh, and God starts fighting this battle for them. I mean, God just starts throwing hailstones from heaven, right, and destroying Joshua's enemies. Actually, more hailstones killed Joshua's enemies than Joshua's armies did. And the, 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 the day was coming to a close, right? It was getting darker, and uh, Joshua knew, if we do not completely defeat our enemies right now, today, it's going to come back to bite us. So Joshua needed more time. He needed more daylight. So he prayed this. He prayed it in the form of a command to the sun, but he was really praying it to God, believing that God could do what Joshua needed done to get the job done. So he says this. It says, Joshua prayed this. Sun, stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on its enemies. And then it says, is it not written in the book of Jasher that this is actually a historical event? That the sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. Talk about bold. Right? If I'm going to pray for the sun to stop in the sky, the first thing that's going to pop in my head is doubt. Right? That ain't going to happen. Right? I need the sun to stop, but that's time. Not, that's not going to happen. Right? So let's be general in this prayer and just ask for God's help. Right? That's what we do. That was a bold prayer because Joshua trusted in the power of God to do the impossible, so he prayed for it. But we also see in the Bible when people who trusted in God's power to do for them what he wanted them to do. They prayed bold prayers. They prayed God-centered prayers. They prayed specific prayers. And God did not answer those prayers the way that these people prayed them. And the point of all of that is that prayer, it always comes back to the fact that prayer is aligning our hearts with God's and not God's heart with ours. Right? It tests our heart motive. So to wrap that all up, when we pray, 
God-centered, specific, bold prayers, we might not always get the answer that we want. We might not always get the answer that we were looking for. But we can be sure that because God is using those prayers to shape us into the form of his son Jesus, that we will get the answer that he wants. That we will get the best answer. So you have to answer the question this morning, what do I want more? Right? What do I want more? God's will or my will? What's more powerful? What's more abundant? Your will in this life or God's will in this life? You've got to answer that question. The band is going to come back up and we're going to have a chance just to meditate on these things. Um, You're going to have a chance to be before God. You're going to have a chance to pray. You're going to have a chance to be specific with him about some things, right? But here's the deal. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, He prayed. These were the moments before he was arrested and taken to be crucified on the cross. And he prayed a God-centered, bold, specific prayer. He also understood, and his heart's desire was to fulfill the, the will of his Father in heaven, not only his own. Right. So he prays this prayer, very specific, very bold, and very God-centered. He says this, God, Father, if there is any possible way, if there is any possible way that we can accomplish the salvation of humanity other than my death on that cross, let's do that, right? Which just shows, I mean, he was distraught to the point of sweating blood, right? He did not want to suffer the things that he was about to suffer. And so he begs his Father in heaven, if there is any other way to accomplish what needs to be accomplished to save humanity, can we do that instead? And his Father's answer was no. Jesus, you and your life given for them is the only way that that can happen. And Jesus understood that because he said, is there any other way? But not my will, but yours be done. Okay? So guess what? Jesus did not get the answer that he wanted in that garden. He surrendered his heart to his Father in heaven, and he accomplished your salvation. He accomplished my salvation. So sometimes the best end result is not us getting the answer to our prayer that we wanted. It's getting the answer to our prayer that he wanted, right? Because then it describes the the thing that held Jesus on the cross was the joy set before him. First, the joy of obeying his Father in heaven and giving glory to his Father, and then the joy of our salvation held him on that cross and so today we're gonna as as we worship we're gonna do things just a little differently we're gonna pass communion today and um so you get a chance just to like in these moments you can sing you can stand you can kneel you can just sit there and pray Whatever you need to do, let the words of these songs sink in. But I want you to think about the fact that Jesus gave up his own will to accomplish your salvation. Right? And so they're going to come by and they're going to pass 
the bread and the juice that represents what we're remembering this morning. Jesus' broken body. Jesus' blood spilled out for us. And what I want you to think about is the fact that he surrendered his will in his prayers to his Father in heaven and what it accomplished for you. So let's pray and then you can get alone with God. Father, um, just thank you. Thank you that your way is best. Thank you that we have a chance now to surrender our hearts to you, to seriously ask the question, am I for my own will or am I for your will, God? And I want to be about your will. We know that Jesus was about your will. And I'm thankful, I'm so thankful that Jesus obeyed your will. So thank you for Jesus. Thank you for that sacrifice on the cross because of what it accomplished for us, God. We want to remember you now, Jesus. We love you and we need you. In your name we pray. Amen. We're about to, uh, to close singing a song called God is Able. And um, <laughs> when we pray... If you believe that God is able, he will do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. And it will be the best possible answer that you could ever get because it's what he wants. It's what he wants. It's what he wants. And that is the only abundant life that we could ever live. We're also going to take our offering during this. So Korean church, please do not give to that because you are our guests here. And uh, you probably give to your own church anyway. Um, and so... We just want to pray that we, we can give back to God out of the abundance that he gives to us with joyful hearts, with joyful hearts, with joyful hearts. I mean, even saying a song, give thanks with a grateful heart. That's what we do when we give. We give thanks with a grateful heart. And, um, and then after this, you can maybe even smell it already. I walked into the back room and was just like immediately hungry because it was, smells so good back there. But please stay for lunch. Everybody, Creekside, Korean Baptist Church, everybody stay for lunch. Um, and, and we'll enjoy that. But let's pray one more time, and then we're going to sing this song, God is able. So let's pray, believing that he is able. God, we just beg you that in the city of Des Moines, you would do so much more than we could ask or imagine. God, we want to see people saved. We want to see people set free from sin and death and set free, God, to live the abundant life that you want them to live. Uh, Father, we want to see as many people enter your kingdom as possible. That's what we want to be about. God, so um, empower us to make disciples of all the people on our street, Lord. Uh, we love you, and we need you. We believe that you are able. Everybody say that. We believe that you are able. One more time. We believe that you are able. Let's sing this together.